Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Nightmare in Gaza, slaughter in the darkness, 2,500 people dead, 10,000 people wounded, refugee convoys bombed after the refugees were told to take that precise road from the north to the south of Gaza. The water has run out, the power has been switched off from the beginning. There's no internet, no fresh blood can be seen on the television sets, even on social media. But that doesn't mean the blood has stopped flowing. Because of bad weather, the Israeli state says it has not yet invaded on the ground. We'll be looking at what might be the real reasons why are the street fighting men of the Israel Defense Force have not yet ventured into the squalid alleyways and amidst the rubble of the all but destroyed northern part of the Gaza Strip. It's the Ukraine war all over again. Every single country that was involved in the coalition of the killing on the bodies of the people of Ukraine is with Israel. Every single country that was against the war in Ukraine waged by NATO is against the war being waged by Israel. Another sign of how the world is now divided and how that balance of power is currently distributed. It's going to be, I promise you, a bumpy night. Welcome to the mother of all talk shows. You are listening to the mother of all talk shows podcast with George Galloway. All the worst people in the world are heavily engaged in the propaganda war in support of the mass killing, the genocidal onslaught launched by the Israel Defense Force as called. Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, Robert F. Kennedy, and many other heavyweight, big platform, big audience personalities, 300 in Hollywood alone, have thrown their bodies into the firing line. They have declared their everlasting love for Israel. They have declared their redefinition of the word uh, genocide. They have redefined the term self-defense. They are sending money, some of them even sending themselves as mercenaries. People are being redeployed from the front line in the Ukraine. Weapons are being redirected, and above all, perhaps, financial aid is now swinging wildly away from the funding of the Ukraine war to the funding of the Middle East war, on the cusp of which we now stand. Israel says it has not yet invaded the Gaza Strip because of bad weather. That always sounded fairly implausible to me. 
uh, but it remains the case that whilst a Palestinian child is now dying every five minutes under bombardment from brave pilots in the sky who dive bomb the squalid refugee camps, mosques, hospitals. Hospitals are being told to evacuate within an hour before that hospital is bombed. Just think about that. White phosphorus raining down. None of that has been affected by the weather, but the massed force of an invasion fighting force of uh, Israel's finest, the most noble army in the world, they used to call themselves. I don't hear that quite so often nowadays. Is still parked outside the gate. Here's the real reason why. Hezbollah and Iran have made it perfectly plain, along with lesser players like the uh, Shiite militia forces in Iraq, uh, like the fighting forces inside the Yemen, Ansar Allah, have all made it plain that if this does not stop soon, and if there is a ground invasion at any point, that they will become involved in the war. I think you need to get some perspective on this. Hezbollah is approximately a hundred times more powerful than the resistance movements in the Gaza Strip. A hundred times more. They have a hundred times more missiles and their missiles are not homemade. Their missiles are targeted and they're targeted on the centers of power and the centers of population of the state of Israel itself. The Israeli people will not just have to hurry for the bomb shelters if Hezbollah enters the war. They will not be able to leave those air raid shelters because the missiles will rain down incessantly. Israel will, of course, fight back, and the United States aircraft carriers, who present something of a sitting target, I must tell them, uh, for the Lebanese batteries on shore, mark my words about that, uh, the United States will join the war. Britain, in a kind of carry-on up the Khyber caper, has decided to send two of its sadly depleted Royal Navy to the shores of the Levant. To do what? I'm not sure. But we can assume that whilst they themselves will become targets, that they will not remain silent. Their guns will not remain silent. The problem with that is, once America and Britain begin attacking Hezbollah targets in Lebanon, Iran will attack them and will attack Israel itself. Now, if Hezbollah is a hundred times more powerful than Hamas and Islamic Jihad and the alphabet soup of uh, Palestinian resistance organizations, then Iran is a thousand times more powerful than Hezbollah. And thus, a general state of Middle East war will then exist. You will have Iran, Ansar Allah in Yemen, uh, the liberation forces in Iraq, the state of Syria and its armed forces will recover the stolen Syrian territory of the Golan Heights, Hezbollah will be all guns blazing. Israel will be fighting in Gaza 
and in the north of the country against Hezbollah, drawing its allies, presumably America in Britain, uh, to the fore into deeper and deeper into that conflict. And here is the overarching problem. Syria and Iran are close allies of Russia and not far behind, close allies of China. So if Israel, America begins attacking Iran, Russia and China stand behind Iran. I hope you're beginning to get a clearer picture. That's why the ground invasion has not begun, because Israel and its allies are calibrating just how difficult a job it will be to fight amongst the rubble in the alleyways, every inch of which are known by the defenders, but not known at all by the attackers. All the while, no internet or not, there will be television pictures of Israel's invasion of Gaza emerging. They'll emerge apart from anything else, from the many, many Israeli soldiers that don't want to do this and are arguing, and they show themselves on video arguing with their officers that this is not the right or at least the wise thing to do. So the fighting amongst the rubble, in the alleyways, underground, hand to hand, will be very, very costly indeed. Just bilaterally between the Palestinians and the Israelis, once the others join in, as they are openly pledging to do, then we are on a helter-skelter to hell. A helter-skelter to hell that will not exclude you and me. It will not exclude us. This conflict, if it spirals in the way I have described, will, first of all, stop all oil production in the Persian Gulf. It will stop the transportation of all oil on the water and in storage of the oil in the Persian Gulf. People are bleating about the price of oil now rising over $100 a barrel. You will not be able to buy it for $10,000 a barrel. There'll be no oil. That means your industry will stop. That means you will become unemployed. That means your already chronic and debilitating economic situation will plummet further into the abyss. And then there's the security risk to our own people of this grotesque over-identification of Western countries with Israel, of their absolute double standards, of their total hypocrisy. You think that the Muslims in France, in Britain, in Germany, and so on, haven't noticed that the Ukrainians are heroes for defending their land against an invader, but the Palestinians are terrorists for defending their land against an invader? Do you think that the people who already live here amongst us and in North America have missed the fact that whilst Palestine can be cleansed 
repeatedly in ethnic cleansing, in siege and sanctions and repeated bombardment on a massive scale. 2008, 2012, 2014, 2018. Gaza's already been reduced to rubble time after time. Do you think that people have not noticed that we don't give a damn about the thousands of Palestinians who are bleeding this minute in hospitals with no light and no power? Do you think they don't know that their co-religionists have no water and no food? Do you think they don't know that we are deliberately starving people just like those who besieged the Warsaw Ghetto until the people there revolted in the words of Franz Fanon. We revolt because we cannot breathe. The Palestinian people cannot breathe, have not been able to breathe for more than seven decades. And everyone can see it clearly now. They can see that every government in the Western world is fully behind the slander of the Palestinians and fully behind the slaughter being carried out by Israel. The Western leaders are echoed by their so-called oppositions. And both the governments and the opposition have a media which blares incessantly the very same propaganda and now has a repressive regime of legislation to close down those with an alternative point of view. A perfect example of whom is Jackson Hinkle, who will be up in a minute. Jackson Hinkle is one of the brightest and best broadcasters in the whole world. But you'll have to go looking for him because he's now been deplatformed on almost all. Thankfully, not all yet, but almost all of the social media platforms. This show could be cut off in mid-sentence at any time by the regime of censorship and repression that I am talking about. But even all of that will not stop the truth coming out because the genie is out of the bottle. That's why we had demonstrations all over the Western world of hundreds of thousands of people on Saturday and probably another one next Saturday. And they're breaking out everywhere. Every main city in Britain this weekend had a demonstration in support of the Palestinian people under this murderous rampage being conducted by Israel with full Western support. Meanwhile, the countries that said no on the Ukraine situation, countries like China, countries like South Africa, countries like Brazil are saying no, we will not go along with this. And we demand a ceasefire. How radical a demand that has turned out to be. We demand a ceasefire. We demand negotiations. We demand a Palestinian state with East Jerusalem as its capital, as was agreed 30 years ago on the White House lawn 
in the Oslo agreements. The European Union is falling apart. Mrs. von der Leyen immediately set off for Israel and promised the earth to Mr. Netanyahu as she had already promised the earth to Mr. Zelensky in the Ukraine. She has grossly exceeded her brief. Her zeal has upset countries like Ireland, countries like Norway, and others in the European Union. And little Borrell, remember him? The man who, the chief gardener, who described the rest of the world as a jungle? His nose is out of joint because that's his job to go around the world threatening war, pestilence, famine, and disease on other people. Who is this von der Leyen, this German daughter of the Third Reich, to steal his thunder? Well, I told you Jackson Hinkle's coming up. He is right after this short break. You don't want to miss it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Jackson Hinkle, frequent guest on the show and a media star extraordinaire. He'd be on one of the main broadcasters in the United States if he wasn't a man of principle who sticks to his principles, even when they are unpopular. And one day, I predict a great future in politics itself for Jackson Hinkle. Jackson, welcome back. Uh, let's start with you, if we may, because you're on Twitter now, but there was a time when you were put off Twitter, uh, and then you were on YouTube, and you built up a gigantic platform, and they've now kicked you off. What exactly did you do wrong? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. All I got to say is a big thank you to voices like you and Jimmy Dore who've been having me on their shows to talk about this because it's really incredible. It's the same old thing. You know, if YouTube was around and is prevalent, you know, during uh, the lead up to the invasion of Iraq, we all know they would have taken you off of YouTube immediately because you were telling the truth. And you've continued telling the truth this entire time, and, and I appreciate you having me on today. YouTube didn't tell me why they took me down. 
But I'd imagine uh, because they didn't even cite a single video, they didn't tell me I violated their community guidelines in a video, anything like that. I'd imagine it has to do with the fact that, as you said, we were getting the truth out to so many people, 300,000 subscribers, uh, about 10 million, 12 million views every single month to people all across the world about the war in Ukraine. And I would have loved to talk about the war in, uh, in in Gaza and what's going on there, but I was banned before that even took place. Fortunately, I've been covering that on, on X or Twitter, and I've gained about 300,000 new followers there over the past few days. So that's really good, and I'll be uploading my content on Rumble very soon. Well, uh, let's make sure everybody follows you on X, on, on Twitter, 300,000 of a jump in a couple of days two or three days is uh, sensational news. But if there's anyone watching this who has not yet followed Jackson Hinkle on Twitter, on X, you really must do so now because this young man uh, speaks with a clarity and an authenticity. Uh, he's not some hairy Black Lives Matter uh, shop front burner, glass breaker uh, in, in, uh, in Minnesota. He's a clean-cut, all-American boy. He's an American patriot who actually genuinely believes in America first and wants a government in America that will put America first. Now, on that, Jackson, it seemed like we had a lot of allies over the last 12 months, 18 months or so, uh, of free speech absolutists, America firsters, Trumpers, MAGA people, until the Israeli assault on Gaza began. Then we discovered that actually they are Israel firsters. How did that happen? I wish I knew, because if I knew, I'd be able to maybe put a dent in correcting the situation and trying to uh, you know, dissuade the people who are being propagandized, propagandized on this subject. But it's it's so disheartening all these people who were laughing at the ukraine propaganda and, and about how joe biden was toying with the idea about sending us to world war three for the past one year and eight months now within days have fallen hook line and sinker for every single insane lie that's been put forward about what's going on in gaza right now and you know we don't even have to get in the details everyone knows you can look at twitter and even go to Israel's own official X account and see the lies that they're being corrected on by community notes right now. They're being fact-checked in real time. So for the American right, and you mentioned also uh, the British right, and I'm sure many of the conservative movements in Europe, to just go along with all of these lies and immediately shift from the focus of protecting our own borders, say in America, to going off about protecting you know israeli borders it, it's really disheartening and it and it shows that these people are not principled when it comes to anti-imperialism or when it comes to uh opposing this american unipolar world order uh they simply have other interests that uh, i guess are primary and their stake about how the how the world should operate let's look at what it might be uh, you and I are both uh, religious uh, believers, followers of, of Jesus. Uh, did these people not see uh, the Christian Palestinian nuns singing Ave Maria in their church in Gaza 
and declaring that they would not be evacuating anywhere, that they would die there in their church. Do uh, the evangelicals, the so-called uh, Christian right, the born-again uh, amongst the American right wing, do they know that Jesus was a Palestinian, that the first Christians uh, walked in Palestine? Do they know uh, that uh, something like 15% of all Palestinians in the world are Christians? So uh, if, if they know that, how come they are so gung-ho for the slaughter of their own co-religionists? Again, great question. They also probably don't know that, you know, Palestinians technically are Semites. So for them to call all Palestinians anti-Semitic, I always find funny. But one other thing that I think should be addressed is, as I'm sure you've been discussing, it seems as though Israel is really hellbent on expanding this conflict into a broader Arab conflict. And I think they there's some very foolish, naive uh, egotistical maniacs within the Israeli government that somehow think this is going to be another six-day war for them and they're going to walk out with an easy victory. It's not going to be the case. But let's take a look at that. You brought up the question of Christians and Christianity in this region and what's being done to them. Well, Israel right now is bombing two of the oldest cities in the world, Aleppo and Damascus. Uh, and in the Syrian dirty war, which lasted for the past 10 or so years, uh, guess who Israel supported? Israel supported al-Nusra Front, which is an al-Qaeda adjacent group, which wanted to massacre Christians in Syria. So you got to ask the question, why on earth, if you're a Christian, I'm an Orthodox Christian, why on earth would you be supporting the government that was waging a proxy war to eradicate Christians in Syria? It makes no sense to me whatsoever, but I think a lot of these people are just historically illiterate. Do you think race lies at the bottom of it? I mean, I'm searching like you are for an explanation uh, for the vault fast of uh, the free speech absolutists, the uh, America firstists. Is it because they just don't like Arabs? They just don't like Arab Christians or Arab Muslims? They don't like the other? Is it because the Palestinians are othered comprehensively? I think a lot of it could come down to that. You know, Ben Shapiro is not a Christian, he's Jewish, but I shared a very provocative tweet of his uh, yesterday, and I got a lot of views and clicks because everyone was just so shocked that he could say something like this. I think uh, to paraphrase, he said, the, the simple fact of the matter is, Israelis like to build things and Arabs like to bomb things. And that's why we can't have peace with them. So when you when you get down to the nitty gritty, if, if this is what and I'm not saying this is what they all you know, everyone who's diehard Israel supporter right now believes. But if there's a good chunk of them that supports that sort of a mindset, then, yeah, that would be just blatant, egregious racism. Unfortunately, uh, this racism is charged with a nuclear-armed military and intelligence superpower that could do a lot of damage to themselves and to continue to do to the Palestinians, the Syrians. Uh, they could potentially even invite a broader war with Iran or, or Turkey. Who knows what's going to happen here? It's very frightening these days, and we see it continuing to escalate, and there's really no calls for peace. 
No, in fact, it's become, uh, I think uh, the press secretary at the White House said uh, that calling for a ceasefire was repulsive. That was the word that she used, uh, that it was repugnant or repulsive to demand a ceasefire. Uh, you're so young, you never knew it. But there was a time that in any conflict, the foreign statespeople and the UN Secretary General, their first thing that they would do would be to call for a ceasefire. It's now practically an arrestable offence to call for a ceasefire. Um, I've no idea how that happened, Jackson. I think we got a, a lot of, again, historically illiterate individuals that now occupy these positions in the State Department. And they also are just extremely egotistical and think that America can do no wrong. Compare that to someone like Vladimir Putin, who has already called for the implementation of the United Nations Security Council resolution for the creation, the establishment uh, once more of a, of a sovereign, independent Palestinian state. He also has called for an immediate ceasefire. So, you know, it, there still are leaders like that in the world, just not in the West. Well, uh, the the demarcation lines are uh, eerily familiar. Uh, everyone that was gung-ho for Zelensky is gung-ho for Netanyahu. And everyone that was uh, saying this is a NATO proxy war against Russia is standing beside the Palestinians. This is the new world that we're in, isn't it? It is. I think the one saving grace that we we might be able to look at here is on the first day of the Russian special military operation, you know, very few and far between were there any voices, and I was one of them, but were there any voices that were supporting Russia or maybe calling into question the notion uh, that Russia is the supreme evil and the reincarnation of Nazi Germany, you know? Uh, with this subject with this conflict obviously it's one that isn't new for a lot of people and i think there's a lot more people who are sympathetic to the overall struggle of palestinian statehood and the end of war crimes being committed against the palestinian people uh then you know we saw for supporters at the start of the smo for russia so i think that's one saving grace the question is can we convince people uh, of the truth and reality who are so brainwashed, so propagandized and have been for so long about this conflict with Israel and Palestine. And here we must make a special mention of the Jewish people around the world. In Israel itself, in the United States, people like uh, your friend and mine, Max Blumenthal, may God preserve him, uh, Norman Finkelstein, and so many, many, many others uh, uh, Cohen, who was on our show on uh, Wednesday, Dan Cohen, uh, and in Britain also, indeed around the world, Katie Halper, some of the most magnificent people in the world today are Jewish people, and we should never forget that. Yeah, I think uh, I always recommend to people, if you want to have the best coverage about what has gone on in Palestine for years and years and years and the broader Middle East, you know, Max Blumenthal, the gray zone, Dan Cohen over at Redacted. Those are the best sources you really, I think, as an English speaker are probably going to be getting. And you're 100 percent correct about that. There are tons of anti-Zionist uh, Jewish people who have spoken out over the past few days 
And I have to applaud them for that, especially starting today, because it seems as though Benjamin Netanyahu has taken a page out of the book of Mr. Vladimir Zelensky in Ukraine. Israel just passed a new law moments before I came on the show today saying that anyone in Israel who is consuming prolonged uh, periods of content of what they define as Hamas media will now face imprisonment for up to a year. And as we all know, you can't really prove something like that, whether or not someone is consuming Hamas media. I think it's going to be used as a blanket offense that they are going to utilize to target anyone who speaks out against this potential war that the IDF might be foolish enough to actually launch. I mean, you talked a couple of times already about historical illiteracy. Uh, Nothing could be more redolent of the crimes of the recent historical past Recent for me, I was born nine years uh, after the Red Army liberated Auschwitz. Winston Churchill was still the prime minister in Britain when I was born. Uh, we, we actually grew up, people like me, in a period when uh, the supporters of the Soviet Union, of the Red Army, and the huge bank, of progressive leftist uh, Jewish people uh, were absolute ironclad allies. And now it's all so different. As you say, Russia is described as the Nazis. And the people who were the victims of the Nazi filth in the 1930s and 40s are passing fascist laws to stop their people reading. It's book burning that. It really is. It really is. And it, it's so sad also, because if you look at Putin today, I mean, he's simply just calling for peace. And, you know, he's a guy that obviously grew up, worked in intelligence in the in the Soviet Union, the latter years. But he is someone who has had a very longstanding, good relationship with Benjamin Netanyahu, the, the prime minister of Israel. And he's being painted even in this very conflict. Take take aside the whole SMO in Ukraine. He's being painted in this conflict as a terrorist because he's saying that, you know, we need to implement the United Nations Security Council resolution on the establishment of a Palestinian state. And he's calling for a ceasefire. It's the same thing with Ukraine. If you call for peace in Ukraine, you're labeled as a Putin apologist. If you call for peace here, you're labeled as a Hamas apologist. And regardless of what your views are, I, I frankly don't care what your anyone's views are. But I think everyone should be agreeing that uh, at the end of the day, what we need to push for is peace here. We need to stop the slaughtering of civilians. One last thing I'll say on this subject is according to the United Nations official stats, which make of those what you will, they've recorded 560 children, civilian deaths in the entire Ukraine war over the past one year and eight months. Now compare that number, 560 children that have been killed in Ukraine over the past one year and eight months to the 700 children that have been killed in Gaza over the past six days by the Israelis. I mean, if you needed any stat to show that Putin and his men have really acted like saints in this operation compared to what Israel's doing, that's it right there. Well, uh, we, we stand on the cusp 
and the Israeli army stands at the gates. Uh, I don't know if you heard my opening remarks, but I, I, I'm saying it's not because of bad weather uh, that they have not yet gone in. It's because there are geopolitical wheels in motion, because others, if not Netanyahu, are able to calibrate the potential scale of first a regional war and one that could even become far wider even than the Middle East, West Asian region. What's your take on it? Are they going to go in? What might be holding them back? I think, like you said, the geopolitical interests and uh, balances that are at play definitely uh, are a factor in what appeared to be a, a bluff that was called. You know, they said they were going to launch the ground operation last night and then they didn't and they cited poor weather and i saw a few videos i guess of heavy rains or flooding in in tel aviv but on the border of gaza i saw plenty of photos and videos today and yesterday which looked like very very dry hot sunny weather so i i they're not invading tel aviv they're invading gaza in this operation so i don't know what they're talking about heavy rains uh as for other reasons, I, I really do believe that with with Hamas, you're talking about a group that has uh, prepared its defensive lines and positions in, in Gaza for at least probably a year. They've been planning this. They have been uh, acting as sleuths. They've been acting under the cover of any sort of um, intelligence seeking or gathering operations by the Israelis. And I guess you could maybe make the case that maybe Israel you know, knew about this and that they actually wanted a full-blown war, but we don't know that for certain. And the other thing is uh, the, the Hamas fighters, I mean, they've basically got a sniper's heaven that's been created for them by the incessant bombing by the IDF. So if I was an IDF soldier, and I, and I know some IDF reservists just from, you know, having friends in college and these kids, they get Israeli citizenship and then they go and do training in Israel for maybe a summer or a year or something to that effect. They're not really doing anything. They get training, uh, limited training. They get set up at a guard post. Maybe they fire a few shells from some sort of uh, uh, gun or artillery or whatever, and they don't really know anything about war they're not prepared the idf hasn't had real battleground experience since 2008 so you're telling me that these 300,000 tiktok zoomer uh reservists that the idf has called up are actually going to pose some sort of a serious threat to hamas in this sniper's heaven where there's going to be booby traps mines drones anywhere and everywhere that they could imagine Maybe, but also we know for certain that it's going to be very bloody for the IDF as well. It's not something that I would want to be in the shoes of marching into Gaza right now. That's that's probably the last place on earth I'd want to be. Jackson Hinkle, everyone follow him. Thanks very much for joining us on the mother Thank of you. all talk shows. Much obliged uh, to you. Now, coming up, we've got a historian on Palestine, Zachary Foster, who is very, very well worth hearing. And uh, we're also talking about the incredible demands on football teams to light up their stadia in the colors of Israel, even though a significant number of their players would find that a complete 
abhorrence and would refuse uh, to genuflect to it. At the very least, there are two sides in this conflict. At the very least, there are two sets of people who've shed their blood over the last seven days. And the Palestinians have shed far more of it, not just over history, but over the last seven days. We'll be talking to a football expert about that. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway intellectual of the first rank is Zachary Foster. He's a historian of Palestine as well as a very successful author. Zachary, thank you for joining us. Uh, Place in the historical context, will you, where we are? Because a lot of people think this crisis started on the 7th of October 2023 when, when Sky News and CNN turned up. But that's not true, is it? That is not true. That is correct. I would trace the current escalation in violence to 2007, when Israel imposed a land, air, and sea blockade on the Gaza Strip. Um, by 2010, the United Nations had determined that that blockade was illegal under international law because it imposed collective punishment on 2 million civilians in the Gaza Strip. It also was deemed illegal because it imposed punishment. It, its goal was to punish the people of Gaza for having elected Hamas. And that blockade has led to a humanitarian crisis in the Gaza Strip. It has led 90% of people to lack access to safe drinking water. It has led 50% of people to be unemployed. It has led 80% of people to be dependent on food handouts. So we're talking about a food crisis, an employment crisis. There's also an electricity crisis, as you know. There's a mental health crisis. There's a public health crisis. In addition to all those crises, Israel launched five wars on the Gaza Strip and the people of Gaza over the past 16 years. And in those five wars, Israel slaughtered something like 3,000 innocent Palestinian civilians. And in every single one of those wars, human rights organizations like the UN and Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International and others deemed that Israel quite likely, uh, there's a, that there's overwhelming evidence that Israel committed war crimes. Just to, just to cite a few uh, of the, uh, of the uh, re- results of those investigations, in 2008, when Israel killed uh, nearly a thousand innocent Palestinians in Gaza, um, the Goldstone Report, which was investigating human rights violations, determined that in 10 out of 11 investigated cases during which Israel bombed innocent civilians and, and killed innocent civilians, there was no justifiable military target identified. More or less the same conclusion in 2014, the UN found that in, in 15 cases in which it investigated 
uh, uh, bombing, uh, bombings on, on civilian areas and residential neighborhoods. In six of the 15 cases, there was no identifiable military target. In other words, Israel indiscriminately targeted civilians in 2008, in 2014. And then in 2018, Israel committed a slaughter. You had tens of thousands of Palestinians marching to the wall, rejecting the blockade, demanding their right of return. And in response, Israel slaughtered 250 Palestinians over the course of the year and a half. And on one day alone, on May 14, 2008, Israel slaughtered 60 unarmed Palestinian protesters. It was a massacre. The world remained, remained silent. And now, when the dead bodies are not just Palestinian, they're also Israelis, the world has woken up. Well, uh, the, uh, of course, uh, Judge Goldstone, himself Jewish, uh, was uh, subjected to a reign of of intellectual terror against him for the temerity uh, of investigating thoroughly, as he was charged to do, uh, these uh, crimes of which you speak. Uh, now, according to Herzog, the president of Israel, a man we don't often hear from, uh, just this week, uh, he said that there are no innocent civilians in Gaza because, he said, uh, they had elected Hamas. But the last election was in 2006, and half of the population of Gaza are children. So ipso facto did not vote for anybody, even if voting for someone was a valid reason for being slaughtered. What do you make of it? Since 2006, Israel has decided that the people of Gaza should suffer the consequences for Hamas's actions, that it's the people who suffer. That was the stated intent of the blockade when Israel first imposed the blockade on Gaza in 2007. Its goal, according to Israeli leaders at the time, was to punish the people of Gaza for having elected Hamas. So there's nothing new about Israel's intent to hold innocent civilians responsible for the actions of their government. That's a war crime. It's a crime against humanity. And it's despicable. And the fact that we have most world governments declaring with hook, line and sinker that they're backing these Israeli war crimes. You have Biden saying we will we have we, we are coming to your defense no matter what at a time when the Israeli defense minister Gallant has declared that it, the people of Gaza will be denied food. They will be denied electricity and they will be denied water. I mean, this is the United States government in full public declaring its support for genocidal actions. It's despicable. Well, uh, the water, uh, as you will know, and uh, I hope everyone now knows, uh, the water has literally run out. There is now no water in Gaza. Uh, the uh, pools that were there, the reserves that were there are now exhausted. There is no water. There is no electricity. There is no internet. And there's a queue. Uh, I saw one queue at one baker, 500 people long, uh, trying to buy bread. It's not going to be possible tomorrow or the next day, even to find uh, bread. Uh, this is uh, biblical. Uh, this, is, uh, this is an attempt at uh, genocide, as you described it. But it's also flatly illegal to collectively punish people. This was established at Nuremberg in the war crimes trials. This is 
uh, a breach of the Geneva Conventions, of the rule of war, of the law governing conduct in occupied territories, and so on. And yet, we've got all these also respectable uh, Armani-clad accomplices to murder in governments throughout the Western world. It's really come to something, hasn't it? The, uh, Isra- the current Israeli government has been on an ongoing campaign to ethnically cleanse Palestinians throughout all of historic Palestine. It's happening within Israel proper in the Negev, in the Naqab. It's happening in the West Bank, in the South Hebron Hills and Mosul Faryatta, where 2,000 Palestinians face regular home demolitions and face ethnic cleansing. You have it happening in the Jordan Valley, where you have many Palestinian shepherding communities being harassed and forced out. Um, multiple villages have been depopulated just in the past few days since this assault on Gaza began. You have ethnic cleansing happening in the E1 zone between Jerusalem uh, uh, and the Jordan Valley. And now it's happening in Gaza as well after the state of Israel declared, they asked a million people to leave their homes in 24 hours. We're talking 7,000 people in the Shifa hospital in Gaza City asked to vacate. Where are they supposed to go when they tried going north uh, excuse me, when they tried going south, Israel bombed the convoys and killed 70 Palestinians who were fleeing in response to Israel's call to flee. So what you have now is one of the most significant humanitarian crises in recent memory, where millions of Palestinians are facing not just ethnic cleansing, but also genocide in the Gaza Strip. And I, I pray and hope that the world leaders uh, come to their senses and call for restraint and call for a ceasefire and call both parties to uh, stop the violence because it's the people of Gaza who are paying the price for this. If this doesn't happen, and China has called for it, Russia has called for it, uh, King Hussein has called for it, Crown Prince MBS has called for it, if this ceasefire does not happen, uh, and, and within hours, we're going to face a wider war in the region, aren't we? I don't understand the thirst and hunger for revenge and war. You have 150 Israeli hostages who are dying by the day as Israel drops more bomb on them. Why is it that Israeli leaders don't love their own people as much as they have thirst and hunger for revenge and violence? What is happening now could spiral out of control. It has already dragged in uh, uh, Hezbollah. Israel has bombed airports in in Syria and Lebanon. What we are talking about is the potential for escalation that could spiral out of control and lead to a, a regional war, if not a world war. I mean, this is incredibly dangerous, and it is incumbent upon every world leader, every Jewish leader, every Christian leader, every Muslim leader to call for the immediate cease fire uh, and and end hostilities because otherwise things can easily spiral out of control and we could be facing a a regional if not global war i'm sure you've impressed many zachary how can people support your work where can they find you uh what's the best place to hear and read what it is that you are saying you can find me on twitter underscore zach foster and i also have a newsletter uh, it's called Palestine in Your Inbox, which you can find at palestinenexus.com. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us, Zachary Foster, on the mother of uh, all talk shows. Let me uh, say that you can listen to the audio-only version of Moats on our Moats podcast, and the numbers on that are going through the roof. 
Just search Moats with George Galloway on Apple, Spotify, Google, or whichever platform you listen to your podcasts on. In recent weeks, it's been the number one political podcast in Benin, Jordan, the Gambia, Qatar, Jamaica, Ghana, Iceland, Malaysia, Singapore, Sweden, and the Philippines. Number one political podcast in all those countries. Truly, truly phenomenal. Do you know that BBC News has lost 40% of its audience in the last few years? It's official. And of course, that is the sensible thing to do. But to get people to tune in and change course and listen to a radically different point of view is even more difficult. But it's happening. And the numbers that we are racking up are now in their millions. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Let's hear from Domenico in London on Palestine. Go ahead, Domenico. Uh, Buonasera, George. Buonasera. Thank you for your show. It's amazing. It's an amazing show I've been following for the last uh, three, four months. Thank you. Um, uh, my, my concerns are with the uh, near monolithic siding that seems to be happening in favor of Israel across, uh, across the media, across mainstream media, with the exception of very few media outlets. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, going to be quite similar to what happened with, with, with the Ukraine, where things seem, seem to be history only seems to happen five minutes ago. There is no prior, yeah. <laughs> there is no prior event to whatever has happened sure. uh, earlier. And this is concerning. But my main point that I want to try and, 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 and make is that we seem to have fallen down to, to a situation where there's just there is no nuance to anything. There is no nuance. There is no complexity. There is no depth. It's just flag waving and and and, and putting colors on buildings and uh, football fan style cheering and black and white narratives. And I I grew up in a in a very political family and I I'm, I've been very familiar since since I was a child with Italian politicians such as Aldo Moro or. Or Craxi, you might you might remember, mm. and and listening to them even back now, the depth, the analysis, the, the balanced views, the historical understanding, this is all lost. How, how did we come so? I mean, how did how did we fall so so in, in such a bad situation, so down, so low down, in in a, in a position where you you watch the BBC, you read mainstream press, and it's just. One-line propaganda, one-line narratives. It's black and white. This is, this is really disconcerting. Well, I, I couldn't put it better than you just have. I won't try to. Uh, there is no doubt uh, that the, as, as, uh, as, as people's knowledge, or at least the capacity or potential for knowledge, increased exponentially uh, in the computer, internet age, uh, so that any one of us can uh, educate ourselves about anything. I mean, I'm deep into astronomy uh, at the moment. I mean, uh, I'm able, without having gone to any university ever, I'm able to identify uh, uh, our solar system in a way uh, that I never thought I ever would be able to, and that's because... Uh, that knowledge is now accessible to me and available to me. 
and I decided to pursue it. Uh, so exponentially, our potential uh, to understand has grown, uh, but it seems in inverse proportion uh, for many people at least. There are many smart people, and a lot of them are watching and calling this show. For many people at least, uh, as the possibility of knowing grew and grew, the wish to know fell and fell. And uh, the bread and circuses that are cast before us may well have had uh, something to do with that. And we'll now talk uh, about that. Domenico, thanks for the call. Nima Tavale Ruzzari is the Italian football podcast man. Uh, and uh, they know a bit in Rome about the bread and, and circuses. Let's hear from Nima. Thanks for joining us, brother. Um, let's start with Wembley. The, the hysteria now visited upon the Wembley uh, authorities, the FA uh, in England, because so far at least they've not been prepared to light up uh, Wembley uh, in the colours of Israel, uh, has to be seen, felt to be believed. They may well capitulate, uh, who knows, before the, uh, before the kickoff. Uh, how did we get to this, where football, sport, was supposed to be something you kept politics out of, to football being used as a political weapon? Well, first of all, good evening, George. It's good to be with you. Thank you. What we've seen in the last week is truly a shocking and dishonest push and barrage of guff and lies. In the last week, by the mainstream media, mainly the English-speaking one in football, which is the subject matter which I work with and cover, as we all know that now football is a front in this propaganda war. Now, let me give you a couple of examples of the kind of nonsense that we've all been exposed to. Jacob Steinberg from The Guardian tweeting for days on end about how Jews don't matter in the football world. Martin Ziegler and Tom Roddy after England played Australia on the back, front, back page front story of the time saying how about the Wembley Arch being in the dark. Uh, Sam Wallace, same, um, same newspaper, doing his utmost uh, <laughs> to, in his editorial to tie in the Holocaust and anti-Semitism so many times per hundred words, I think he might have set a new world record. Uh, Matt Law, The Telegraph, again, doing the story about a letter sent in by the Israeli Professional League's chairman, but nothing from anyone uh, Palestinian. And of course, Adam Crafton of The Athletic, who's been pushing the 40 decapitated babies lie on Twitter, even after it was debunked and the CNN reporter in question apologized for her words, still hasn't deleted his tweet and hasn't tweeted a retraction or an apology for spreading falsehoods, even after acknowledging that he was aware that this was uh, a falsehood. Now, not one of these gentlemen or any of their colleagues did a piece that was objective or has tweeted anything factual or objective, let alone try to balance it by telling the Palestinian side or by speaking to someone from the Palestinian authorities in a separate story or even in the same story. Not even now. They don't have the excuse anymore. Since it's been five, six, seven days now that Gaza is under siege, and not even after the fascist statements by the Israeli government equating all Palestinians with animals and implying there are no in, innocent people in Gaza. And remember, Gaza is, 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 is the home of where 2 million people, where 55% are under 18. None of this is by chance. 
these supine gentlemen and the corporate mainstream media organizations they work for, they're not in the news business, George, as you're full well aware. They're in the propaganda business. They aren't journalists. They are unofficial PR experts for whatever NATO cause, cause du jour may be. And I say NATO because the reaction to all of this from NATO countries and governments has been one and the same as these gentlemen and their media organizations. There's been no acknowledgement of the genocide being conducted right now as we speak, no call even for a ceasefire, but sole condemnation of the Palestinians, equating them all with Hamas, branding them all as terrorists and vicious so as to feed this Islamophobic trope about all Muslims essentially being ticking time bombs that can go off at any minute. No context, never. It is, and I use this term seriously, nothing more than the vilest, rawest form of intellectual prostitution, as my late grandfather, rest his soul, would say. Now, and it's been rather successful too. I mean, let's remember what happened in football in recent years. Uh, back in 2021, when Leicester players, Hamza Chuduri and Wesley Fofana, wove, waved a Palestinian flag after having won the FA Cup final, there were calls to punish them. Uh, and banned them. Same things, same year when Manchester Manchester City player Riyad Mahrez celebrated winning the Premier League winning the uh, by waving the Palestinian flag. In the FIFA World Cup in Qatar, a few, well, barely a year ago, you, the, an organization named UK Lawyers for Israel wrote to the FIFA Disciplinary Committee demanding that Morocco be punished for celebrating while waving the Palestinian flag. And we've got countless examples of this but when zinchenko of arsenal waves the israeli flag they all applaud and the reason for these things all of these things that i've mentioned the ridiculous attempts to tie the palestinian cause with anti-semitism the 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 talk of criminalizing waving the palestinian flag the banning of demonstrations supporting palestine etc are all the next step of a process which has been ongoing for the last few years where essentially they are cancelling the Palestinians' existence on earth by equating their existence with anti-Semitism. If anyone wants to rage, against, rage against cancel culture, try on that for size. They are cancelling an entire people off the face of the earth militarily and culturally. And the latter part is something that you would know Keir Starmer's Labour has perfected, where there are reports suggesting that Jewish members of Labour are 13 times more likely to be thrown out of the Labour Party right. for claims of anti-Semitism due to them simply being anti-Zionist, where they equate the two. And any person who successfully finished any sort of education at any level would understand how ludicrous this is, as there is a difference between the religion, Judaism, the political ideology, Zionism, and the apartheid state of Israel. Well, wow is all I can say to that. Uh, uh, I've seldom heard more eloquence and power uh, in a short statement. Let me just ask a couple of quick questions. Um, my, my team, Celtic, uh, were fined. The club was fined mm. for some of its supporters waving a Palestinian flag in the crowd over which the club had no uh, say whatsoever. It was the crowd, proud of them, but it was the spectators who did it. And we were fined £60,000, if I recall uh, correctly. Uh, now, football grounds are being asked to light themselves up in the colours of one party to a conflict, an ancient one uh, at that, as you've just 
perfectly described. Who took the decisions uh, to do that? Who, who turned, I mean, at Hamden Park, uh, they even made the corner flags in the, in the colors of the Ukrainian uh, flag. Uh, the livery uh, of the of the furniture around uh, football stadiums was turned into Ukrainian uh, colors, and now the demand is to do it for Israel. Who takes these decisions? Well, I'd suggest they take it the same people with the same decision-making power that they have usurped and taken upon themselves, with which they brand it as the uh, rules-based order. Whose rules? <laughs> whose order <laughs> they do what they want whenever they want however they want they yeah. they 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 got rid of russia when russia invaded ukraine but when israel is conducting a genocide in the concentration camp that is gaza and i use that term based on the way that it's been defined by professor norman finkelstein right that's what gaza is we are watching the live murder and genocide of a people and we're not we're supposed to be arguing over the color of the arch of Wembley or whether or not a flag can be waved at a demonstration. We this 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 is beyond bizarre. Yeah. Uh, um, David Cameron, by the way, when he was prime minister and I was there in the House of Commons chamber when he said it, uh, described uh, Gaza as the largest open air prison in the in the world. Now, the uh, the players uh, the ones that one expected to speak out for the Palestinian people have been oddly silent. Al Neni uh, of Arsenal, albeit on the sidelines now at Arsenal, is the only player I have seen uh, in the Premier League or attached to the English Premier setup to make any kind of supportive noise for the Palestinians. Even those players uh, that are in Saudi Arabia, uh, the like Sadio Mane, for example, that I would have expected to hear from, and definitely not Mohamed Salah yet, uh, who wants out of Liverpool anyway. I'm not sure what he has <laughs> to lose. Uh, they've all been silent. Why would that be? Well, I mean, just before we came on, Karim Benzema, the former French international and, and Real Madrid legend, um, Ballon d'Or winner, came out on Twitter in French in support, expressing his support and, 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 and worry about the Palestinian people. Look, it's 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 exactly what I've what we've been discussing in this com have this conversation that we've been having. This is this is what they do. People are so scared of the the fallback uh, on social media. They're afraid to lose. You know, sponsorship contracts. They're afraid of getting cancelled. But I, I'm, I'm sorry, but at some point you have to find your spine. You have to find the. Your, you have to stand by the courage of your convictions and stand for what you believe in and what you think is right. Again, we are watching the live genocide of a people right now. For how many days without water, without fuel, without, um, without, with, without any energy to pump up those, um, the, the the energy rate to keep the hospitals going? I mean, how many? I saw a report of fifty thousand pregnant women in Gaza don't have access to water, clean water, or or healthcare. At what point will people stand up and speak up and say this is unacceptable? At how many more point? children have to die? At what point? How many more children have to die? The two big questions. Nima, thanks very much for joining us. I wish we had longer. Pleasure. I'm certain we'll have other opportunities. 
Here are the record-breaking results. And boy, do I mean record-breaking. 37,050 people voted in the poll. Uh, those who thought that media coverage of the Gaza war was balanced were 3% on Telegram, 6% on Twitter, 3% on the YouTube community poll, and 10% on the YouTube stream. Therefore, those who thought it was biased were 97%, 94%, 97%, and 90%. A truly extraordinary poll, showing all over again just how suppressed is the truth and just how suppressed are those who believe in the truth and who are ready to vote for it. In Britain, you will not be able to vote for anybody in most cases come the next election who did not wholeheartedly support the genocide against the people of Gaza. And yet they'll still call it a democracy. Thanks for that. An email from Tom uh, regarding the poll. I would like one of the 3% to phone in just for some comic relief, if nothing else. It's a good point. Uh, if anyone uh, who wants to uh, phone and say why they voted that the media was being balanced in this case, if they'd like to call, we'd like to hear from them either tonight uh, or on Wednesday night show, the mother of all talk shows. Uh, Tazleen is in South Africa. Let's hear from South Africa. Go ahead, Tazleen. Hello, George. Glad speaking to you. It's my first time I'm actually coming through to you. So you're doing great work. Um, I'm happy to see what I'm seeing. And um, listen, um, it's very heartbreaking to see what's happening in Palestine. As a South African, we've been through this uh, for quite a number of years, but not on the scale of what's happening in Gaza. I myself is a Muslim, you know, it's, it's very sensitive. It's very heartbreaking. We feel it with the Palestine, our support is with the Palestinians. And we hope, and I can guarantee you this much, this will come to an end. And this won't be in the favor of the Israelis. And it won't be in the favor of the Americans. History will end not in their favor. That's guaranteed. Well, uh, Mandela made the point, uh, uh, indeed, I, I, I was there when he made it. Uh, that our, uh, our freedom will not be complete until the Palestinians are free. Uh, all of the leaders of the liberation struggle in South Africa were wholehearted supporters uh, of the Palestinian people. Indeed, one of them, a good friend of mine, uh, Ronnie Casserills, former uh, intelligence chief of MK, the armed wing of the ANC, uh, was uh, and is uh, perennially uh, active on this uh, question. Is the media in South Africa properly reflecting uh, the views of Mandela and the liberation movement on this? Or are they uh, on the one hand but on the other? I did an interview with SABC, South African Broadcasting Radio, uh, just the other day, and I had to put a flea in the ear uh, of the uh, man who was conducting the uh, interview. I was a little upset uh, by it. What's your view on that, Tazleen? 
Well, George, uh, the media is, some media outlets, what I said, is still biased where the situation is concerned. But uh, I've seen on um, on the social media, the South African government, especially the ANC, they were all wearing the Palestinian scarves in, in the Palestinian scarf in support of the Palestinians. And uh, <clears throat> they were giving the, the Israelis a bit of their mind to stop what's happening in, in, in Palestine, right, to, to, to send food and to send uh, whatever is necessary to, for the Palestinians uh, to survive. But where the media is concerned, especially on the, on the side, I would say the old uh, regime, the so-called whites, they are still in support where the Zionists is concerned. They still pause here in South Africa where people are still battling from the scars of apartheid and the prison and, and the prison government is not really helping in, in the sense to to, in, in, uh, to, to relieve uh, the South Africans in the difficulty. I mean, there's still a lot of South Africans that is difficulty from that time. And I mean, uh, um, I, can, I can sympathize with the Palestinians, what they're going through, even worse. But we're not out of it yet. We, we are part of this country. We just have a different type of apartheid here where some people is uh, really struggling with the new government is concerned. Yes, uh, that's, uh, that's true, uh, uh, undoubtedly uh, true. And of course, there was a very, very close relationship between apartheid South Africa and the state of Israel. It's an embarrassing truth for many supporters of Israel, but that doesn't make it any less true. Tasleen, thank you for an excellent uh, call. What I fear will be the last call of the evening uh, will be a sad one. I mentioned, I uh, in fact announced to the audience uh, on Wednesday uh, that our legend, Norma in Bristol, had finally lost her husband. He had passed away that very day. And Norma is on the line. Norma, you have the uh, sincere condolences of the entire crew and the entire uh, audience. Uh, I, I reported a week before that the state health service had given your husband effectively uh, 10 weeks in which to die. And if he did not die within that 10 weeks, you would then have to start paying uh, for his care. As it happened, and quite unexpectedly, he passed away very quickly, and I'm glad that you are back on the air because you truly are our legend. Roger, rest in peace, and you are survived by a wife of the very highest caliber. Norma, last word to you. Hello, George. I did have another little point I wanted to make, but um, seeing as it's the end of the show, I'll just stick to the domestic side of my life. Um, no, I've got, um, my house is like a garden centre. Um, I've got friends who brought in flowers, and then I had such a surprise because Moats, um, and you sent me a beautiful bouquet of flowers, and it was such a surprise, and it was so lovely. And the thing is, George, even with Twitter friends, uh, there's been so many, and I mean, I'm a bit up and down at the moment, but they settled me down with their support at this time. And it's, it really is, 
it's an anchor because I don't go out much. And, uh, it, it's anchoring me because, as you would imagine, things are very up and down at the moment, and it was such a shock because he lasted one and a half days in the nursing home. And uh, there we are. But uh, I won't make the other point now, but I have been very interested in what's going on, obviously, in this terrible state in it's, it's greatly to your credit that you are still following the news and you are still standing uh, with, uh, with right, with the uh, righteous people and the righteous cause and standing up against wickedness and evil. And I know that uh, uh, all the years that you have left, you'll continue to do that. You truly are a legend. It is vital when you're going through uh, difficult times, to know that you are not alone, as on a domestic level, uh, Norma has just described. It is even more important, if you like, in the big picture, that the Palestinian people know that they are not alone, and that all over the world, there are many, many millions of people standing with them. In our thousands, in our millions, we are all Palestinians. That has to be the mentality. And we have to, as uh, Nima put it earlier, so powerfully, there comes a moment when you really do have to stand up and be counted. There comes a moment when silence becomes complicity and you yourself become an accomplice of the crimes that you are willfully remaining silent about. Silent we will never be on the mother of all talk shows. And we'll be back on Wednesday at the slightly later time uh, of 9 p.m. UK time. It's been a kind of record show tonight with a record number of people voting on the poll and a record number of calls, uh, only a very few of which were able to make it to the switchboard. But rest assured, that everything you've sent us, every email, every message uh, has uh, been received and has and will uh, be read and, if possible, responded to. So uh, it's been marvelous for me, particularly glad that we were heard in Palestine itself, although, alas, not in Gaza, where the people are in place and wondering when the bomb is going to murder them. Good night.